Hey y'all, welcome to Tina Smoot Radio Book Club Mondays. I know it's technically not Monday anymore, but I promise y'all I've been so busy all day. I've been so busy. Like I had so much stuff to do with the home-based business I'm doing. And I was trying to I'm trying I was trying to learn how to do shirts and I was not gonna give up until I got what I wrote on that shirt and I finally got it on the shirt so yay for me I finally I got the basic steps down pat from there it's on from there so okay so today we gonna do chapter two with Maya Angelou hope everybody's doing okay out there I'm so sorry I'm late y'all so sorry I'm late so sorry hope everybody's doing all right out there Today was a good day for me. Hope it was a good day for y'all. God is good. God is so good. I'm just waiting on my phone to come on. It was dead, the other phone. Thank y'all for hanging in there with me. If I got one listener, two listeners, how many I got? Thank y'all for hanging in there with me. Just give me one second. I'm waiting on it to come on. It's on there. So, we about to do some Maya Angelou. This book is so good. I already done finished it, but it's really good. After this, um, I would do Think and Grow Rich, but Think and Grow Rich is not on audio books. So, that's the only reason. And some of those big words, baby, I have a difficult time saying some of those big words. So, I'm trying to do the next book. It's going to be education, though. Every book that I post is going to be something that we all can learn from. It's not going to be no bull crap. It's not going to be no bull crap book. Okay. Okay, here we go. Chapter 2. My mother, who was to remain a startling beauty, met my father. Startling beauty, met my father a hand. I'm so sorry, my phone just it. It just came back. Everyone on. laughed and recounted the escapades about Chapter Two. My mother, who was to remain a startling beauty met my father, a handsome soldier, in 1924. Bailey Johnson had returned from World War I with officers' honors and a fake French accent. They were unable to restrain themselves. They fell in love while Vivian's brothers walked around him threateningly. He had been to war, and he was from the South, where... He had been to war, and he was from the South, where a black man learned early that he had to stand up to threats or else he wasn't a man. The Baxter boys could not intimidate Bailey Johnson, especially after Vivian told them to lay off, to straighten up and fly right. Vivian's parents were not happy that she was marrying a man from the South who was neither a doctor nor lawyer. He said... He was a dietitian. The Baxter said that meant he was just a Negro cook. Vivian and Bailey left the contentious Baxter atmosphere 
and moved to California, where little Bailey was born. I came along two years... Vivian and Bailey left the contentious Baxter atmosphere and moved to California, where little Bailey was born. I came along two years later. My parents soon proved to each other that they couldn't stay together. They were matches and gasoline. They even argued about how they were to break up. Neither wanted the responsibility of taking care of two toddlers. They separated and sent me and Bailey to my father's mother in Arkansas. I was three and Bailey was five when we arrived in Stamps, Arkansas. We had identification tags on our arms and no adult supervision. I learned later that Pullman car porters that Pullman car porters and dining car waiters were known to take children off trains in the north and put them on other trains heading south. Save for one horrific visit to St. Louis, we lived with my father's mother, Grandmother Annie Henderson, and her other son, Uncle... Save for one horrific visit to St. Louis... Oh, my God. Save for one horrific visit to St. Louis, we lived with my father's mother, Grandmother Annie Henderson and her other son, Uncle Willie, in Stamp. Save for one horrific visit to St. Louis, we lived with my father's mother, Grandmother Annie Henderson, and her other son, Uncle Willie, in Stamps until I was 13. The visit to St. Louis lasted only a short time, but I was raped there, and the rapist had been killed. I thought I had caused his death because I had told his name to the family. Out of guilt, I stopped talking to everyone except Bailey. I decided that my voice was so powerful that it could kill people, but it could not harm my brother because we loved each other so much. My mother and her family tried to woo me away from my mutism, but they didn't know what I knew. But they didn't know what I knew, that my voice was a killing machine. They soon wearied of the sullen, silent child and sent us back to Grandmother Henderson in Arkansas, where we lived quietly and smoothly within my grandmother's care and under my uncle's watchful eye. When my brilliant brother, Bailey, was 14... When my brilliant brother, Bailey, was 14... He had reached a dangerous age for a black boy in the segregated South. It was a time when if a white person walked down the one paved block in town, any Negro on the street had to step aside and walk down in the gutter. Bailey would obey the unspoken order, but sometimes he would sweep his arm theatrically and loudly say, Yes, sir, you the boss, boss. Some neighbors saw how Bailey acted in front of white folks downtown and reported to Grandmother. She called us both over and said to Bailey, Junior, her nickname for him, you've been downtown showing out. Don't you know these white folks will kill you for poking fun of them? Mama, my brother and I often called her Mama, all I do... 
Don't you know these white folks will kill you for poking fun of them? Mama, my brother and I often called her mama. All I do is get off the street they're walking on. That's what they want, isn't it? Junior, don't play smart with me. I knew the time would come when you would grow too old for the South. I just didn't expect it to be so soon. I will write a letter to your mother and daddy. You and Maya, especially you. Bailey, you will have to go back to California, and soon. Bailey jumped up and kissed grandmother. He said, I'm Burr Rabbit in the briar patch. Even grandmother had to laugh. The folk tale told how a farmer whose carrots the rabbit had been stealing caught Burr Rabbit. The farmer threatened to kill the rabbit and turn him into a stew. The rabbit said, I deserve that. Please kill me. Just don't throw me in the briar patch. Please, sir, anything but that. Anything. The farmer asked, you afraid of the briar patch? Rabbit, shaking and trembling, said, yes, sir, please kill me and eat me. Just don't throw me. The farmer grabbed the rabbit by its long ears and threw him into a stand of weeds. Rabbit jumped up and down. That's where I wanted to be all along. I knew Bailey wanted to be reunited with his mother, but I was very comfortable with Grandmother Henderson. I loved her, and I liked her, and I felt safe under the umbrella of her love. I knew that for Bailey's sake, we had to go back to California. Black boys his age, who even noticed white girls, risked being beaten, bruised, or lynched by the Ku Klux Klan. He had not yet mentioned a white girl, but as he was growing into manhood, seeing a pretty white girl and being moved by her beauty was inevitable. I said, yes, I'm ready to go. Chapter 3 My Grandmother Okay, y'all, thanks for listening. Next time I play, I'm... I'm going to get all notifications off my phone or turn notifications off because I don't know why it's buzzing like that. But I'm going to get that turned off. I apologize for the horrible inconvenience. But thank you guys for listening. For those who are listening, Chapter 3 will be next Monday. I promise I'll get on here a little more earlier than what I did. Y'all have a good night.